This episode is sponsored by our friends at Musicbed. Find the perfect song for your films with a highly curated roster featuring hundreds of artists, bands, and composers. As a good listener, you can get your first month of subscription free or 20% off a single song purchase. Just enter promo code GOOD when you check out. This episode is sponsored by Film Supply. Film Supply is one of the most highly curated stock footage catalogs you'll find available today. Finish your next project faster with footage that matches your creative vision. Go to filmsupply.com for more info. And just for good listeners, they're offering three free clips when you sign up and 20% off your next project with coupon code GOODPODCAST. Also this season, we're continuing to give away a ton of content over at Patreon, sharing treatments, behind-the-scenes photos, and ways to interact with our guests from each episode. To become a patron, check out patreon.com slash goodthepodcast. Now, here's the show. Hey guys, my name's Christian Schultz, and this is Good. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Good. It's your friend, Christian. Um, Before we get into the show, we have some business to take care of. Uh, We have a winner for the last and final Plot Devices giveaway. And the winner is a young man named Ariel Spahn. Ariel, thank you for commenting, following, and uh, being so chill. I hope you enjoy those, and thank you again to Plot Devices for doing those giveaways. This week, we have a very cool um, interview with a cinematographer named Dustin Lane, and I first came to his work through probably Young Replicant and David Hellman, who are both guests, uh, past guests on our show, but you can also find his work uh, on Instagram or just at dustin-lane.com, and uh, he's an incredible cinematographer. That uh, in this conversation, I learned a lot from him. He's very um, in tune to what makes him successful and what makes him sort of really into what he's doing in the moment. And uh, I appreciated him sort of pulling back the curtains on some things. And I hope you guys do as well. So let's get into this interview with cinematographer Dustin Lane. So you live in L.A., um, but you used to live in Nashville, right? Yes, I was uh, born in Tennessee in uh, in a town called Chattanooga, and then moved to Nashville when I was eighteen, eighteen or nineteen. What was the uh, why you why'd you move to LA? Uh, I mean, I love it out here. Um, I I'd been I'd been coming out here and doing jobs. I, I think I I kind of stayed a little elusive as to where I was for a while, um, and so I was coming out here. You know, when I would book something, I would fly out and, uh, and after, after doing that, you know, a handful of times, I was like, all right, I got, I got to just go, I got to do it. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I always, always knew it was going to happen. always figured I was going to end up in New York or LA and, uh, my agents here and I started making connections here. So it made sense. And, and I think the, the lifestyle suits me a little better here though. I do enjoy New York. Right. 
Were you so the the first couple things that I remember ever seeing with, uh, of your work was stuff that you were doing with David Hellman and the kind of the the sort of iconic music videos you guys were doing at the time. Was that while you're still living in Nashville, or or had you moved to to LA? Uh, no, I think um, I think like when I shot Vince Staples with David, I don't think I'd moved out here yet. I think I had I had been out here um, for jobs and come out here and you know stayed for a week or so at a time. You know, had meetings and things like that. Right, uh, but I don't think I was living here then. I, I think that was like just right before I moved. I'm always interested in like hearing people's sort of, you know, did it pay off for you? You know? I mean, uh, I'll, I'll say this. And I met up with a guy, I met up with a young DP, uh, who's, who's also from the South, uh, really nice dude. Uh, we had a great, great talk. He happened to be in LA and, and reached out to me and, uh, asked to meet up and, and talk. And, uh, you know, he, he was kind of asking me how I did it and, he was obviously getting ready to make the move and, um, didn't, you know, didn't have the connections that I had when I came out here. Like I already had an agent out here. I'd already done a decent amount of work out here. So I didn't necessarily like have to hit the ground and like, uh, struggle or, or sweat it out, you know? Um, you know, not that, not that like, you know, everyone's sitting around at points and like, Oh man, when's the job going to come to, you know, whatever it's been slow. Uh, that's normal, but I, I didn't have to like do the hardcore move to a big city struggle, you know? Right. Um, right. you already had some things going, you know, like your reps and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I think I kind of like, I think I kind of took like a year or two where I was kind of blurring the lines and coming out here for short spans of time and hmm. kinda, you know, I got to ease into it a bit. Um, but I mean, that being said, like it, it is expensive out here. Um, but Nashville, like uh, was getting there, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that, I think that city in particular just kind of exploded. So, uh, honestly, the cost of living is, isn't, wasn't a shock. Right. Cause Nashville is one of those, I mean, it's not as expensive as LA, but it's, you can, everybody's sort of preparing for it to just be, you know, it's sort of the LA of the South, I guess. I don't know if people call it that, but I always kind of view it like that. You know, well, I'm sure someone's trying to call it that. Yeah, um, <laughs> there's t-shirts somewhere. You know, but yeah, I mean, I was there for I was there for close to ten years, and it uh, it changed drastically. You know, yeah, in that amount of time. Well, what I think is really interesting about your work is it feels southern to me. I, I know you you probably aren't necessarily intentionally going for that, but like it never has felt like you know, you grew up somewhere else. It always, it, it, it always feels grounded in sort of that, um, like grounded in earth, you know what I mean? And I think that's a lot with the, the texture you put on your image and stuff, but is that intentional from you? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's intentional. And, and, you know, honestly, I think, uh, in terms of the, the things I'm most inspired by, it's not necessarily Southern related, mm. but, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe there is something to it. What is, what is that stuff that you're inspired by at, the, at this moment, I guess? Um, I, I think I always, I'm always looking at, at 
still photography, uh, or like fine art photography. Right. You, uh, I'll, I'll look, I'll look at photo books more often than I'll watch films. Um, who you got? Tell me your, give me your top five. I want to see what you got. Uh, well, recently for sure, uh, especially because he just put out a new book, uh, Alex Oath. Yeah. Um, and I looked, I, I looked through his back catalog. Did you get uh, his new, is his new one like out available? It is. It is out. Yep. Um, what is it called again? Something about a, every breath. Something. I, I know how furiously your heart is beating. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Um, He's like, I'm so jealous of people <laughs> uh, that can live in that world. Do you know what I mean? Like the oh, yeah. yeah, man. sort of like very sort of quiet, you know, just sort of lurking around creating images, you know, <laughs> it well, feels and, like a cool world. And it, it spills, especially for him. And, it, you know, and a lot of the, a lot of the guys I admire, they all do editorial work as well, but, uh, right, right. you know, which I, I guess is like the, you know, their version of shooting commercial versus a book being like a feature film. Right. Um, but even the editorial work, you know, that a lot of these guys get to make, or, or at least what what Alec presents is is you know very much in tune with his personal taste, and uh, you know, people are really wanting him to create what he does, which right. is which is the dream. Um, but yeah, in addition to him, I really love Gregory Gregory Halpern, um, Larry Sultan, Bill Jacobson. Uh, Justine, uh, Justine Kurland, mm. Mitch Epstein. <clears throat> the only one that I that I have of Gregory is his Zizix uh, book. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you have that one, but yeah. he's always been one of my favorites. He's, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's anybody relatively in his category. That's what I love about the fine art sort of like photography world is they sort of create their own. Uh, like there's not so many like genres, you know, it just sort of is, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate when, when a book can really, really go on a journey between, you know, a beautiful landscape to maybe, maybe it's still like four by five or eight by 10, but it it looks like kind of candid or handheld. Right. Maybe there's a frontal flash for one image. Um, right. You strike um, me. Your work kind of strikes me as a little Todd Hito ish too. Is that a reference for you? Uh, you know, I, I like I like Todd Hito. I, I think those those. Uh, I don't want to put something on you. No, no, for sure. I mean, his houses at night series beautiful. Right. Um, I, I think it it is a thing that's like so heavily referenced that I don't necessarily look at that work too much. Right. Um, but you know, it's hard not to look at a night exterior and not have that come to mind. Right. Um, which is a tribute to, you know, the impact it's had. So are, are your, when you do photography though, are they, is this sort of like in the meantime or is it like a separate thing that you're doing? Um, I, you know, I think I, I think it's, uh, simultaneously it helps shape, what cinematography is to me, but also is a welcome break from it. So you're never shooting. I mean, you know, you're never on a, on a spot or on a feature or whatever. And, and shooting, uh, stills at the same time. Like, are you, are you 
deliberately separating it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's. I feel like it's more separate. Uh, occasionally, if I do a job, uh, especially if I'm traveling or if I'm in an interesting area, uh, and and it's maybe it's a thing where I, I scout a day or two, and then I have a down day or two, and then the right. shoot. Um, you know, I might try to take advantage of that and get out, uh, but I feel like it takes me a lot of time, and I want to be very slow, and so it, it makes it hard to do when you're also trying to be quick to get back with emails about camera orders and right. whatever else. So, you know, in between jobs, uh, especially if I end up with like a solid week off, I'll try to designate a day or two that I drive somewhere and, you know, try to purposely get lost and see something, find something interesting. What, uh, what camera are you shooting on at the moment? Um, I've got a four by five, uh, field camera that I've gotten kind of re-energized about shooting on. Um, uh, it was, I I bought it like six years ago, maybe even longer than that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd always, I'd always take it out every now and then, but I never, it never became a regular thing. And, you know, medium format was always easier. And then I got really into the Fuji digital system kind of the first time I really wanted to shoot on a digital camera. Uh, but now I've gotten really excited about the four by five. Um, so that's kind of what I've taken out the past couple times. And I'm just starting to get some negatives back and scan some things. And yeah, uh, I, I, yeah it, it's feeling yeah. good. You can see in your work, I mean, you and especially the stuff you do with, uh, David and, and, uh, young replicant and you shoot a lot of four by five, four by three aspect ratios. Is that trying to replicate something in photography or is that just like sort of wishing it was, uh, photography? You know what I mean? I think sometimes, yeah, I wish it was photography. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the trend of, anamorphic, you know, beautiful, wide landscape, uh, sort of these, you know, iconic frame grab sort of shots. Right. I felt like, you know, I got to do a few things that, you know, was that, and, and that was fun and it's still fun from time to time, but I find that there's, sometimes an emotion that that lacks uh and a sense of grandeur that may distract from a smaller human moment mm-hmm. and i think photography's just so good at that you know so good at, especially you know in its ability to distill it down but also uh yeah, you know, I, I think I think there's a, a communication in a square image that might get lost in something more, you know, grand. But there's a time and a place for everything.
When, when, at, at what point in the process with the director, whether it's kind of going through the treatment or scripts or whatever, um, do you guys start talking about aspect ratios and like, and stuff like that? I feel like uh, for the for the really kind of close, strong collaborators, um, it, it's a it's an ongoing conversation. You know, even even in between jobs, uh, you know, we'll share images back and forth and talk about how you might create one feeling over over another, or share something that you know created something or made you feel something that you've wanted to, you know, feel. Right. Um, but you know, I, I think it's important to do kind of quick, uh, cause it can really affect everything, you know, it can affect, uh, the way you're going to imagine all the blocking, the way, uh, the way the location needs to feel like if you, if you're shooting four, three, you, you want, you know, beauty top to bottom. Uh, if you're shooting right. something anamorphic, especially like in a, you know, maybe in a house where the rooms are smaller, you're looking for really just a good, nice line of production design across the, across the middle of the room, you know, like whether right. that's, you know, maybe there's a chair rail that adds an interesting line to the wall or where, where you might be able to put a mirror to extend the, the feeling of the size of the room. You, you know, you, you, I think you kind of have to tailor certain things you're looking for based on the aspect ratio or whether it's spherical or anamorphic. What was the last thing that you came off of a set wishing that you were better at? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I kind of keep a, I, I keep a notepad on my phone and usually, usually like, either the night after a job or, you know, in the next day or two after I've kind of had time to reflect on it, I'll, I'll make a note about what was successful and what I want to do again. Uh, it may be if it was something new, you know, some new technique or way about anything, like even in the way that you might've communicated with production, something more technical that's not even like artistic. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll make notes and, I just came off a string of work and have not necessarily had that time to reflect. Um, I think sometimes I work too fast mm. or I want to work too fast. And I, I think there's a pressure uh, to work very fast. And I think not only does that create impatience on my part towards the crew, even if they are absolutely smashing it. Right. But it also, you know, allows opportunity for you to get sloppy. And you know, as soon as you're done with a shot, you're like, oh, man, I should have really bubbled that diffusion out in this way so that the, this reflection would have smoothed out or you know, whatever it might have been. Like, just there's nothing worse than walking away and realizing how you should have lit something or right. how you should have blocked something. So I think it's, you know, it's it's always nice to take a deep breath and slow down and kind of re-examine what's in front of you. I love that because it's like, it's always the tiniest things, you know, <laughs> or the, you know, the things that I always think about are just the way that I shook someone's hand when I said goodbye, you know, like 
oh, I fucked that up, you know? <laughs> it's in like, and then that sends me into sort of a rabbit hole of like, man, I didn't even remember that guy's name, you know? And like, I should be better at this. And oh, that. man. Yeah, I've, I, uh, I screen grab the call sheet and just kind of have it ready to pull up on my phone. This musical break is brought to you by Musicbed. called AM Architect. Daniel Stanish and Diego Chavez worked together on this music from across the country. Daniel living in California and Diego in Colorado. They each supply their own layer to the music. In the end, there's an analog meets electronic style that always feels subtle, never trying to be too much in your face. You can check out more AM Architect at musicbed.com. And just for good listeners, they're offering 20% off your next purchase. Just remember to use coupon code GOOD at checkout. This episode is also sponsored by Film Supply. Film Supply's footage has been highly curated by experts to save you time on every edit. Film Supply is a highly kept secret by agencies, editors, and filmmakers alike. They have super easy to use search tools in any resolution format to match your film. I love Film Supply because it's not about finding something that just fits. It's about having options to choose which is the best for the story. Go to filmsupply.com for more info. And just for good listeners, they're offering three free clips when you sign up and 20% off your next project with coupon code GOODPODCAST. kind of pull back the the curtain a little bit and get a little bit technical for a second um because i always like asking and anytime that i'm using someone who's like looks their their style is very natural you know it almost looks um like you took every bit of lighting away and it, it, it just looks like things are sort of just not even like visible and it's very dark sometimes but it's it's has a lot of texture and, and everything, but like, how do you light something like that? How, like on a normal basis on, on something that you love to light, um, how do you walk into a room that is well art directed and is, you know, you picked a location, like how do you begin lighting something to look um, sort of under lit, you know? I mean, I, I think especially coming from, photography where other than the occasional strobe you know very few fine art photographers are doing any amount of lighting they're they're finding you know what's what's already being provided um and i think that's a massive part of it i think locations are i, I you know i tell every director that i go into anything with it it's you know, my work is only going to be as strong as the spaces and the faces, <laughs> you know, the spaces, the location, wow, yeah. the production design, the faces, all the talent, you know, the costuming, the, even their body language and their direction, you know? Right. Um, so if all of that is beautifully in sync, then I feel like I can do very little 
and I can, uh, I can become a little bit invisible. And I think that's when things start to feel real is when they feel unaffected. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm doing that because, uh, like for instance, um, I'm really, really happy with, uh, the look I was able to achieve on this project called June that I shot with my buddy Drew Burdett. Um, and we were in uh, a really cool, uh, old house, like turn of the century, uh, very well decorated. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't have a G and E team. It was a passion project. We shot for very little money and, uh, we wanted to shoot on film. And so a lot of other things went out the window. Um, and I was literally <laughs> like me in the camera department, we're like tacking bed sheets up just to yeah. close off a window here, there, or, you know, add negatives more in the room. But we just scouted it to know where the sun was going to hit the dirt to bounce in this window. At, you know, it was going to come in this side of the house at this time. We kind of just blocked our schedule around that. Uh, right. Had I've had all the money in the world, I would have still wanted it to look more or less the same. I just maybe could have been more flexible about, you know, uh, I wouldn't have had to be so strict with the schedule and you could have kept consistency for longer if you could have, you know, lit it with a massive light out the window. Right. Right. Um, you know, I feel like, I feel like sometimes my approach is, uh, it'll, it'll really kind of come down to like, how long do you need this to survive on screen? You know, Mm -hmm. um, especially for like a music video where you're kind of just like manipulating moments. Um, you know, if you can, especially, you know, music video with a smaller budget, if you can, if you can say like, we'll, we'll get this in the 15 minutes that this light's going to be beautiful. You know, that's awesome. It's awesome to be able to take advantage of that. Right. Yeah, that's kind of inspiring, dude, to just say that you you just sort of, it is it is sort of the basics, you know, like who's on screen, what what is the, <laughs> what is the art direction, you know? I feel like a lot of times, I think even directors get too much credit a lot of times. I think cinematographers get too much credit a lot of times, you know, um, just because there's they're technically in in charge of that image, you know, but there's so many things that I wish people spent more money on. I mean, you know, I definitely, I'm not like a massive lens or tech nerd. Um, I don't geek out on that stuff the way some people do, uh, which not, it's not bad to at all. It, It just, it's, it's never been the most important thing to me. Right. Um, not that, you know, a really beautiful lens, whether it's got great age and character or whether, you know, you want some pristine sharpness for, you know, whatever you're after, it's, you know, it's a, the best version of that is going to, you're going to feel that difference versus right. if, you know, if you have to end up with something inferior, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, it, you know, for what you said about a, a director gets too much credit, um, I think, I th- you know, a director, of course, has to has to command the performance mm-hmm. and, and 
sometimes, much like I say, I can do very little. Sometimes the best direction is just really good curation. Right. Yeah. Um, which, which is very important. It'd be interesting to see what you would think is like the difference maker between a good music video and a bad music video, you know, without spilling any sort of like, without naming any names or anything, but like the, the music videos that you've maybe buried, you know, and the, and the ones that you show, what are the differences from pre-production to, to production? I can kind of tell based on how I'm communicated to about the job, like whether it comes through my agent versus the director reaching out or a producer reaching out, or um, you can kind of start to feel what the relationship might be like already. Right. Right. Um, and, and typically I feel like music videos are just such a gamble in terms of uh, how much is the, especially if the artist is involved, it's just an absolute gamble. Like right. <laughs> dealing with any sort of, any sort of personality, you know, that, that is going to create a difficulty in already a tough situation of being underfunded and mm-hmm. too much to shoot in, in a day's time, you know, all those, all those issues. It's like, you don't want any, any bad attitude or even like, you know, you don't want to deal with an entourage. You don't, right, you, right. you know, it's like all that stuff just typically equals like, no, um, you know, like going back to the Vince Staples thing, like Vince was such an incredible artist to work with. He was just so game. He was on time. He had to wear that, uh, the rig that, uh, made him levitate. Like that thing's painful. Right. He never, you know, never tapped out. He was like, he was just ready to go for as long as we were ready, you know? And, um, but that's like very rare. It's very rare. So I kind of shy away from the ones that have the band in them, uh, or the artists. Um, I really haven't done many performance videos. I don't, yeah. uh, I don't know if that's it's maybe just not a thing I gravitate towards. Right. Um, but I feel like, I feel like for every, every like type of video, maybe I've shot that I've, you know, been proud of and, and wanted to like, you know, promote as my work. I've shot a couple kind of B versions of that because you, you know, you will get reached out to the, and they'll, you know, you'll be expected to recreate something you did right. in the perfect storm of a situation. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of the worst thing in the world to, for someone to approach you and expect you to achieve something, you know, that you achieved before, but with half the amount of care put into right. everything that's going in front of the camera, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I can get very bitter towards those situations. And, uh, you know, I think, I think maybe there's times where there's times that I've worked with, with directors and I've, I've almost thought like, Oh wow. Like, you know, this other cinematographer that I, I like the work of got a really great piece out of this director, but I'm here and I feel like I'm just expected to spin gold out of nothing, you know? Right. Um, and I, and I don't feel like 
I don't, I, I feel like, I, I kind of feel like there's two types of directors. There's, there's the directors that from start to stop want to be developing the aesthetic, uh, talking about, you know, the feeling they want to create, you know, where, where the camera might make sense to be or, uh, you know, anything it just diving in, it's just like diving in from, from the time that you start the job till it's done. Um, you know, I love, I love situations where you can really exhaust like all possibilities and, uh, really like fine tune what it is you're after. And then there's other directors that, that kind of just write the treatment and hit you up and say, it's going to be a good time. And, right. you know, they, they don't necessarily dig in in the same way. Um, that's interesting. What do you think they're um, they're more interested in the the people who don't sort of go into the process like that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that, that it's if they're more interested in anything or, or um, you know, uh, I'm really not. I'm really not sure. I, I think I think when I you know when I was in Nashville, I was working as a camera assistant. All the work that I was shooting to try to like build a reel and become a cinematographer, I was making with a handful of friends and we would all work on each other's things. Like when one person wasn't directing, they would be ADing for their buddy, you know? Um, and it was just this really amazing, like, uh, creative, very hardworking group of people. We all pushed each other. And, um, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy when I, you know, I think it's crazy for me when I come across people that, uh, that aren't in it for that. Do you think it's important to sort of say no to, to some things in order to sort of, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I don't, I don't know your life. Like, I don't know how much money you need to live, you know, <laughs> but like, how, like, what are you saying no to, you know? I feel like I feel like I'm happy if at the end of the year I've I've made four things I'm proud of. And whether whether that was four passion projects that I made with director friends and we put in our own money or whether you know you got lucky and an agency like really let you you know right. dive dive in and do your thing on a commercial like um, I kind of don't care what it is, you know, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, what category it comes from as long as it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the work in terms of the look, but also in terms of, uh, you know, the, the total package, like the, the sound, the, the actors, the emotion, like the story, everything. If I make four of those, I'm happy. Uh, Outside of that, you know, commercials are incredible ways to make some money, uh, not only just to live your life, but, you know, uh, you do a really, really big commercial, you can pay some bills and, you know, invest, invest back in yourself. Like I always keep my refrigerator full of film, uh, you know, whether it's, whether, whether that means that I can take two weeks off and go shoot stills somewhere 
or whether that means, you know, I'll shoot 35 millimeter instead of shooting digital on a, on a project, you know? Right. right. Um, but in terms of what I say no to, you know, I, I feel like a commercial, a commercial look at in terms of, you know, is it, is it a good way to build a relationship with a director that, you know, maybe, maybe this commercial isn't the project that is going to be a good thing, but working with this director and, and kind of feeling each other out could, you know, go on to building a relationship that'll make something good. And so, you, you know, you look at those opportunities, you obviously you look at, you know, the paycheck, uh, but then I, you know, I also just look at it in terms of like, is this going to be a headache for me? Is this going to be, right, right. you know, um, you know, I, like I remember, I remember I got some treatment for, I was really excited by, you know, uh, the, the brand name attached to it and seemingly, you know, the status that comes with that or whatever. But then I looked at the treatment and I was like, Oh man, this is, this is awful. Like not only is it nothing, it's like those situations where it's like, there's really no good example of this. This is just kind of a bad commercial, you know? (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's like, because if that happened with some directors, you would maybe know like, okay, they're going to make this good no matter what. Some commercials have to, like they're bad all the way up until, you know, the 11th hour. And then like, they're able to like move things around and like actually make it cool and sort of go rogue a little bit. And then, and then make something that feels a little bit, maybe a little bit more authentic or or honest to, to what they wanted to do. But some of them are just like, cooked really bad but they pay a lot of money and you're going to go shoot in Barcelona or something like that like how do you make the the decision you know i think i think it's just um you know a lot of a lot of your instinct comes into play in terms yeah. of yeah yeah you know like i i, I just uh i just did a, a bigger pharmaceutical thing you know out of the country in a place i wanted to go with a director I have a great relationship with and, you know, yes, we're going to make it look as beautiful as we can, but we ultimately know it's, it's, you know, yeah. Uh, we ultimately know we're going to hand it away and it, it could very well get destroyed. Yeah. And even if it doesn't, it's not necessarily the most, you know, the most amazing creative as is. So, uh, but you know, you, you go, you go do the thing and enjoy your time, try to learn something and, and pay some bills and then, you know, concentrate on, uh, how you, how you can, you know, feed the soul. And I, you know, I think it just comes in phases. It's like, I just, uh, I was just, I was able to, to just back to back. Um, and it's, it's really nice when, when it happens where you, you know, I booked a commercial and, uh, it was a very nice, like multi, multi-day shoot in LA, and, and then uh, this uh, some good creative came my way for a, a music video in uh, in South Africa, and it's you know it's, it was like basically going to be a, a favor job for some really nice creative and working with a good company, and 
Um, you know, I feel like a lot of the music videos I ultimately decided to take on, I'm, I'm doing for free because it's kind of like, uh, the good ones rarely have a ton of money, you know, right. and, and sometimes the leverage that you have knowing that your only point in existing on this job is to make the most incredible thing you can make, you know? Right, right. There's, there's some, definitely some leverage in that versus if you, you know, took a thousand dollars and, and now, you know, now you're just a guy for hire, you know? Right. Um, you know, yeah, like t- totally pop videos, different world, you know, totally different world. Right. But in, in terms of a lot of the music and sort of creative I'm attracted to, you know, Right. Because um, there's a be, difference between good music videos and big music videos, you know? Yes. The ones that that we're interested in aren't usually big music videos, would you say? Yeah, I, I would say I would say there's there's definitely the, the rare uh, large large artists, like sort of globally recognized artists that's doing, you know, very tasteful things that that's sort of a rarity. Um, whereas a lot of, you know, indie label artists are making really exciting music that therefore makes really exciting visuals, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, it's, it, it all comes in phases. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's important. It's such a multifaceted sort of problem in terms of saying yes, saying no, I, I look you know, I, I, there's times when, there's times when you know you're going to be put in a bad situation and it might be to your benefit to take yourself out of that equation rather than be forced to make work that is subpar that now your name is associated with. Right. Um, and that's tough. It's tough because it might be really good creative. It might be a really good opportunity but you kind of, you, you see that it's not going to be handled in the way that will allow you to be successful. Right. And you, you have to walk away and, and sometimes you have no idea, you know, like, uh, you know, you could walk into, I, I've walked into several commercial situations with, with collaborators that I love that, that are, that are so talented and then they're put in the worst of positions and, and the end result can only be so good at that point, you know? Right. What's the next move for you? Like, have you, do you have features in the works? Do you want to do that? Where are you going? Um, so I just shot my second feature in February and it's, can you uh, tell us anything about that one? Uh, I don't, I don't think I can say a lot. Um, we, it, it was, uh, it was like a million dollar budget. Um, so not, not huge. It, it has a, a name or two that some people might recognize. And, um, we, we were able to, uh, shoot on 16 millimeter. Um, but it was, it was essentially like shooting a small music video every day in terms of, you know, the, like the working conditions. Interesting. Um, 
but but yeah, I mean, it was uh, you know, it's it's long form is definitely what attracted me to cinematography, right? Um, and a really powerful film, you know, there's nothing like it. Uh, so yeah, you know, f- features definitely definitely want to do more of that, but it's also it's tough because it's such a massive commitment of your time. Um, such a yeah, massive. How many days did you guys shoot? We only shot for eighteen days, but it, it was still you know other other than other than prep that happened here in LA, you know, which is mostly you know meetings from time to time in the months leading up to it. You know, it was it was a two month on location between prep and shoot. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's a long time. It's a uh, in the scope of features, it's it's not, or in television especially, but it's still a long time when you're used to kind of the, the short span of, you know, 10, 12-day commercial engagements and then, you know, maybe a four-day passion project here or there. Right. Um, what does that feel like? Like, when, at what point during the feature do you feel that sort of, like, difference? Um. I don't know. I mean, I think I think in in this one, in this particular situation, our our second, our first week was very tough with some growing pains, and then you know just small small shoot in the middle of nowhere, growing pains, and then uh, the second week we went into nights, and it was extremely cold, mm. um, and you know m- morale was pretty high considering, but it was still it was still just a tough situation. And I think uh, I was definitely, I was definitely like, kind of the charm of 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 being on location was wearing wearing right, right. wearing off at that point for me. Um, Can you say where you shot it? Uh, we shot in Ohio, southern Ohio. Okay. Yeah, so it was freezing cold. Uh, there was oft, very often snow, and then uh, we were shooting in. Um, uh, if we weren't outside, we were shooting most often in like abandoned buildings, uh, or, gotcha. or buildings with zero, you know, air conditioning or heat. Um, so yeah, it was tough, but, but yeah, it's, you know, features are such a massive commitment. Um, it, you know, in the way that I'm saying a music video is a gamble, it's like features such a massive gamble. Right. Um, uh, even if you love the script, you know, again, you can, you can come across all the same, all the same situations that will ultimately make, make the end result something you're not entirely proud of, you know? Right. And that's, that's brutal. It's brutal to, uh, to go, you know, go through it and then walk away feeling like it wasn't what you wanted, you know? Right. Not that I, not that I feel that way. I you know I haven't haven't even seen a cut yet. Um, but just in terms of that being a possibility, it's like. Uh, so you know, I, I want to be really, I want to be, really particular about the the projects I I go into, um, you know, all across the board in terms of. If it's something that I feel like I can, bring, whatever, you know my personality is to it and i want to make sure that everything is going to allow me to do that in the best way right how do how do you pace yourself on a feature like what do you have to do differently uh as a cinematographer to 
to pace yourself? Oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could offer the best advice in that. Um, <laughs> I feel like you just kind of go for broke a little bit. Yeah. I kind of feel like I, I just, I just kind of do it until I collapse in a way. Uh, right. Um, there's definitely, you know, there's some jobs where I get in a really good, I get in a really good rhythm of like, Oh, I'm going to actually like wake up and like work out a little bit, and like eat a good breakfast, and, you know, then I'm going to go to set. I'm, I'm only going to drink like one or two beers, you know, and, wrap. <laughs> and then there's other jobs where it's just like, Oh, this is brutal. We, right. we kind of, we kind of need to like let off some steam. So maybe, maybe the question should be what, what is the biggest thing you learned uh, <laughs> coming off of your, your last feature that you definitely want to do differently? Just even in the terms of what you were just talking about, I think that's important to, to talk about. Like how do you stay sharp mentally, you know, from, from just, you know, a lot, I don't know exactly what you guys were shooting, but sometimes like a day is just like dialogue coverage, you know? And like, how do you stay sharp and, and continue to push uh, the visuals as you go into, you know, the third week or something? Yeah, I think, I think in a way, you know, especially coming from a short, short form world of features like boot camp, you know, mm. it's like for, for everyone involved, like if you're a key grip or a gaffer, it's, and now you're, now you're working like four weeks straight. If you're used to working a three day commercial, being off for a couple of days, you know, one or two day job, like, uh, I think it's, it's almost harder to stay sharp when you're not on a, you know, on a particular schedule with it in a way, uh, for the, for the feature, I felt like, um, I felt like, you know, I, th I think there are times when, when maybe, uh, when maybe you would like to do something differently in a particular scene, but you know, you need to like stay consistent with the way right. you've handled something else. And, and there, there's a little bit of that for sure, where it's like, Oh, I'd like to do maybe something more exciting here, but I know the way it's going to cut with this. I, I kind of have to just do this, uh, or make it feel this way. Um, but outside of that, you know, we were, we were never in any one location for too long. So every day was a new set of challenges. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, that naturally keeps you sharp and just the rhythm that you get into with how fast your crew can start to anticipate what you're going to ask for when you go into certain places. And, you know, this, the second the kind of second nature of it really kicks in. And, uh, it can really start to run fluidly in a way that it's hard for a short, short-term job to get in that same rhythm. I was, I was talking to someone recently about when you're, when you're in an industry that moves you around as much as this and your, your schedule can be as erratic uh, and kind of just, you know, there's so many variables involved. Like I, I really look at, I think I look at time in a different way where like that feature feels like years ago to me. Right, right, right. And I, was, I feel, I feel yeah. like I've lived a life since then, uh, <laughs> you know, and that might, that might be, that might not have been that way with, you know, I guess less chapter markers or, uh, or, or different, like, 
you know, chunks of time spent in various places with various like different people, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So three weeks can feel like a long time in a good way, you know, man, I, I gotta say, uh, cause I, I, especially in the music video community, you know, uh, Chris, Chris Black, such a, such a known figure and having yeah. just, just recently lost him, uh, that, you know, it's, uh, it's really tough to think about like, what is, what is this for? If it can be taken from me so, so quick, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope a lot of people in the kind of director DP world, especially those that knew Chris well, kind of take, take that into account, you know? So what would you, I always find it interesting what you would say um, you wish you did more of when you were first starting. I almost miss how easy it felt in the beginning to, Mm -hmm. to make something like just, uh, I feel like, you know, the first, first couple of music videos and, and, projects that I made, you know, building a reel, it was, it was always seemingly so easy. Like you would, you would start talking on a Monday about how you're going to shoot something that weekend and so right. you'd like wrangle up friends of friends as the cast and you'd find, you know, the person with the cool house and your, your friend with the cool car or whatever it was. And, and you just did it, you know? And I feel like the more you scale up, the, the harder it is to, to feel kind of carefree with right. it in a way. And so, I mean, yeah, I get, I get to have those experiences like the, the June video I mentioned, you know, that was, that was me and me and some of those same guys from, from Tennessee, like just doing our thing. And, you know, it was all friends, no production company involved, just like right. making, making something that we thought was beautiful and, uh, you know, that's great. It's like, it's like summer camp. It's like a taste of summer camp. And, uh, you know, every now and then a job can provide that as well. Like a, you know, paying job or like a nice commercial, like depending on who you're with and where you are. Um, but there's almost like once there's so many moving pieces, it, it just, it's hard to be free, you know? Right. Even in, even in terms of like, even, you know, if you're shooting a commercial with a big crew and agency and at some point you got to give up space for where the trucks are going to go even, you know? Right. And, and I don't even like that limitation. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I want, I want the world to be the set. Uh, cause that's kind of what it was in the beginning, you know? Right. Like in, in, in a naive way. And, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a, romantic quality to that right can i ask you how you guys got that deer in the house uh we (laughs) just we just had an amazing set of uh animal animal handlers that were down to let it go and 
Yeah, we didn't, there was like no wire erasing or anything. It was just like a loose deer in the house. I've been a huge fan of your work for a long time. I don't know if I said that before, but... um, Thank you. I I think you're doing really cool shit. And it seems like you're doing it because like that's just the only way that you want to see the world, you know? And there's a lot of people who sort of get get lost in whether it's money or LA or some kind of like status thing. And it seems like you're weird enough to be like, nah, I'm cool back here, you know? And I dig that. I don't know if you're like doing that in purpose, but like your work sort of speaks like that, like the work you choose and the, and the people you work with. Um, so I'm excited to see what you do in the future, man. Thanks for coming on my little show. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. This episode was mixed by Christian Strapko, or as I like to call him, my dear friend, Christian. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at goodthepodcast. 